Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. I have to admit, I'm a sucker for buying merchandise or merch, as we colloquially say in the land down under. Whether it be signed books by authors at their book launch or tea towels from a boutique vineyard on a regional holiday, I'm handing over that plastic card with joy. Last year, according to Intelligence Insider, the pandemic fueled rapid acceleration of online buying in several countries that was somewhat lagging, and some of those we expect to continue to expand even post-pandemic. India, Brazil, Russia and Argentina are all projected to post at least 26% growth in retail e-commerce sales this year. As in 2020, the Asia-Pacific, where Australia is, and North America leads the regional ranks for retail e-commerce sales this year. China's size of population means that the Asia-Pacific will account for almost 61% of retail e-commerce sales worldwide by the end of this year. North America will claim 20% and Western Europe 12%. So my guest today knows all about a bit of merch. Her name is Gwen Blake and she's managed branding and design projects for some of Australia's best-known brands. She's an expert in branding and design and has a passion for product sales and entrepreneurs. Today, she's Managing Director of the award-winning Sydney-based branding and packaging design agency Boxer & Co and the author of a book on packaging design, Packaging a Punch. Gwen orchestrated the branding behind dynamic, serious journalist turned podcaster Giro, Annabelle Crabb and Lee Sales' successful podcast, Chat 10 Looks 3. If you listen to the podcast like me, it is peppered with shout-outs to Gwen. She consults to them to develop and manage their merch business. At the time of the Australian federal government leadership spill in November 2018, Gwen created a meme of a canvas bag with the words, ban the single-use Prime Minister, and that was a big moment for her business. She gained quick and widespread media interest and sold thousands of these bags from a company that she literally started overnight at her kitchen table. We all love a souvenir, right? So let's unpack, yes, pun intended, the politics of merchandise with Gwen Blake. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. And of course, I do have some of your merch, so I am guilty as charged of uh, of purchasing and I do love a good pun. So young Gwen, what did you want to be when you grew up and did you achieve that? Look, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I was the child of a family lawyer and a university lecturer. And um, for some reason, I just knew that I wanted to run my own business from a very, very early age. So I was that annoying kid in class at high school who was always starting new businesses and I'd be turning up selling cakes or friendship bracelets or offering manicures to all the other kids in my class. So I just knew that I wanted to be in business. And then later on, I was the person who had loads of different jobs. So I'd have a paper round, but then I'd also have a Saturday job in a cafe and I'd have an office job in the holidays. I just worked in so many different jobs. And I guess it gave me an amazing understanding of how lots and lots of different businesses work. So uh, it was a really super grounding. I, I, yeah, I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to be, but I just wanted to be in charge of a business and in charge of the way a business looked and communicated. 
And did you end up studying design or how did you end up kind of having a career, I guess, um, later on? Yeah, so I chose to study marketing at university because I just love branding and design and I thought it would give me a really well-rounded knowledge of university and business in general through university. So I, I did that, which was brilliant because it did just give me a general business foundation as well as, you know, really excelling at branding and marketing. And also after university, I don't know if this happens in Australia, but in the UK, you can get elected as the president or vice president of the students' union and do a paid role for a year. So I did that. And then I went straight into a marketing role in London where I actually worked for Camp America, where I was promoting working at summer camps to students in the UK and Australia and all over the world. So that was my first marketing job. And I started a merch range while I was there. So got straight into it, making fleeces and T-shirts and baseball caps um, for the students who worked on the camps to help remember um, the greatest summer of their lives, I guess. Oh, that's excellent. That's such an interesting uh, backstory. So in 2018, as I mentioned in the introduction, you became a bit of an internet sales sensation, which I was guilty of kind of getting sucked into. And I think that's where I first came across who you work when with the band, the single use Prime Minister tote bag. I even got the coffee cup. I was so devoted. In the wake of former Australian PM Malcolm Turnbull being sacked, and we'd had many years of rotating doors of leaders in this country. Tell us how you came up with that idea and how it generated you those sort of tens of thousands of dollars in such a short time. So I was having a really rare, quiet weekend with my daughter. Normally I'm, you know, terrible overscheduler and there's loads and loads of things going on, but my daughter was actually sick. So that's the only thing that'll keep me quiet and keep me on the sofa. And my husband and son had gone to Canberra for the weekend and I had the TV on and was just absolutely gobsmacked to see what was unfolding, which was that we were apparently going to lose yet another prime minister and I'd only been in Australia for about 10 years at that time and we were already on like our fifth or sixth prime minister since I've been in Australia. So Annabelle Crabb is a very good friend of mine and we just started pinging funny lines back and forth on text, just making jokes. And, you know, suddenly I connected this story to another story, which I guess comes from my branding and packaging design agency, my, my kind of life within the supermarket world. And it had been a massive story that week about people giving checkout assistants a really hard time in Woolworths or Coles and just how people weren't adjusting very well to the fact that we were trying to get rid of plastic single-use bags and I, suddenly it just fell into place and I was like, ban the single-use prime minister on a tote bag. That's hilarious. So I just, for fun, made it and shared it on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And it did start going viral and I was just kind of laughing at how funny it was. But then people started saying, oh, I'm going to make a bag like that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to add one of those to my shop. And I was thinking hang on a second, that's my idea. You're not going to do that. If anyone's going to do that, it's going to be me. And I actually had people coming over for dinner that night, but I just thought I've got to get on with it. So whilst I was cooking dinner, I was also creating a logo, starting a business, um, As you setting do. up a shop. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't mind me. And yeah, I'm literally like sourcing and designing bags and getting it all ready to go so that 
by the time I was going to bed that night, I, I had a new business called Sand Sheriff, which was ready to start selling bags and woke up in the morning. I think I'd sold 12 and I was like, oh, that's a shame because I've ordered a hundred and then just kept on having to email the company who I'd ordered the bags from and just um, up, keep upping the quantities and ended up selling thousands and thousands. And, you know, as you said, it was like absolutely ridiculous in terms of media. I was on in every newspaper and on television. It was just, uh, I think it just captured the zeitgeist, <laughs> you know, and the feeling that people had and all Australians love a joke. So it tapped into that. It was a crazy fun time. Absolutely. So gone are the days that merchandise is limited to, say, snow globes at tourist sites or T-shirts from concerts that we have attended, particularly after two years in a pandemic when no one's attended anything. Online sales is the thing. How quickly in your experience does an idea need to turn to merch? Obviously, you did that in a night, which is not always possible, I imagine, if you've got other commitments. And is there a shelf life in all items because of that fast media cycle, how quickly pop culture moves on now more than ever? What's your experience of this? Look, I don't think all merch has to be timeless, but I think the ones that people want to buy and want now and, you know, want to buy in volume are the things that latch onto a joke that's really current. And the challenge there is to just get something made as quickly as possible and and then also you know, sell it as quickly as possible and get it into people's hands as quickly as possible. So they start sharing it on social media and then, you know, you make more sales that way too. So there there definitely is a place for more timeless merch, but if you want to make big sales, I think it's got to latch on to some kind of current joke or news story. Absolutely. So I imagine those tote bags went a few years ago, you don't even sell them anymore, correct? No, I don't. Yeah, done. I've got a few just stored away for posterity, but um, I, I don't. For the museum. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so tell us how you came up with the branding for the podcast, Chat 10 Looks 3, and how does that brand sort of represent the show? Because it's definitely evolved from that initial conversation with Crab and Sales to kind of, it's got stage shows, it's got, you know, so many different aspects to it as I guess popular culture has also evolved. It doesn't just talk about books. It talks a lot about Netflix series and other podcasts as well. The audience has also evolved or has it basically all remained the same and it's a very much a, a static brand with lots of moving parts? Well, I guess when we first, when they first came to me, obviously as my friends and knowing that I owned a design agency, they reached out to help because, you know, the podcast was getting a bit of traction. But one thing that I always wanted to do was retain its roots, which is that it's homegrown, you know, and it it is a bit ad-lib. They don't prepare heaps and heaps of stuff before they create the podcast. So I wanted it to feel like it it did have that homegrown vibe to it, even as the design progressed. So, you know, we created it out of illustrations and lots of hand-drawn elements, but tried to keep it just friendly, accessible and homely and keep it just focused on the friendship because I think even though they believed when they first started the podcast that they were creating a podcast about books and TV shows, actually what they've created is a podcast about friendship. And so we really, really wanted to hold on to that. And yeah, that the audience has grown, you know, humongously. And it's the same kind of people, though, who are listening to it. And so 
as it's grown and they've started doing more things, we have had to sort of shine our shoes a little bit and make the whole thing uh, look a little bit more professional. For example, they've got a book which has just come out called Well Hello and that was going to be published by Penguin and they wanted me and my business to create illustrations for it. So we had to take it up a notch because it's a book being published by Penguin. But when you look at it, it's an evolution, not a revolution. You know, we've it, we've still retained the very, very early roots of the podcast and the vibe of it, just sort of added and evolved to it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at it all, it all sort of sings together, I think. And I think, you know, having sort of been part of the podcast community or chatters, as, as they like to call it, there is something that connects it. And it, but it's still got that personal will feel to it, you know, in terms of um, that homeliness that you talk about. So what really makes great merch? I, I guess is there a secret source formula? Do you market tests before doing items or do you just kind of, like you say, produce the first hundred and, and, and kind of push it out there? Is there a bit of a process for you or is it all depending on the type of product and I guess the complexity involved? It depends on the market. So, for example, if I'm creating something for my brand, San Sheriff, I'll share something on social media and see what kind of a reaction it gets. When we're creating things for the Chat 10 podcast, we there's 47,000 people in a Facebook group. So it's an amazing sounding board. So you can always just share things. Maybe there's, you know, we're making a cup and there's two different designs that we might put on the cup and can't decide which to use. And so We'll just ask 47,000 people and uh, you get a pretty good read from that. So, uh, yeah, we do test things out, but not really in terms of actually making them and selling them. It's more just asking questions and creating visuals of things on social media and, you know, asking those questions. But I think uh, as I've worked on merch a lot and seen what's sold and what hasn't sold and, and just sort of in terms also of my personal values, the, the things that I think are really important to tick off are firstly, you know, something has to be relevant now. We've talked about that, but I think it has to be useful as well. You know, there's just no point in creating something that is just going to gather dust in people's houses. So it has to have genuine use. Otherwise, what's the point in selling it? We don't want to create landfill. Hence tea towels and doormats and yeah. things and coffee cups. Like they're all things that we use exactly. every day. So, I mean, wow, we've sold hundreds and hundreds of doormats to people. But, you know, I'm really hoping that these are people who needed new doormats and they, they aren't just buying it for the sake of buying it. And I don't think that the market would do that. But wax, beeswax wraps, you know, coffee cups, you know, anything that has some kind of environmental criteria, I think is always really good. And I also just absolutely love to support someone who has their own small business, or, or at least someone local. And sometimes that's not always possible. But there's about five different things that I've listed as criteria there. And if you can always tick three or four of them, then I think you're going to be onto a winner with merchandise. And obviously, you've got to be able to do it at a price that's going to work for the market too. Absolutely, of course, um, that, that's got to be key. What has been your favourite design item and why? And you're probably going to have maybe a hard time choosing it or maybe it's really obvious for you what you've loved the most. Yeah, well, we made this um, coffee cup um, which said high moral grounds on it and it was just based on a joke that Crab made on the podcast and then people started asking for it online. So 
rather like the ban the single-use prime minister bag. Um, it was something that people were saying. There was Gwen, yeah. up all night. Everyone, <laughs> lots of people tagged me and say, go on, Gwen, you've got to do that. So, yeah, Crabbe just made a joke about, you know, um, how if you sort of have more superior moral ground if you have a reusable coffee cup and wouldn't it be funny to put high moral grounds because of the coffee pun with grounds on a coffee cup and we just sold thousands of those things and I guess it was another thing that you know rather like the ban the single-use prime minister it was just a crazy ride and really fun to do and we sold thousands of them but generally I just like doing things that fill a need so things like beeswax wraps that stop people from having to use you know glad wrap that's brilliant. And they're branded, they're useful. And yeah, a doormat. Lots of people have a horrible old doormat that they've had for 10 years and it's worn down. And so to give them something that brings them joy every time they step into their house is heaps of fun. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to whatever's going to come up next or whatever comes out of one of your clients' mouths that turns into your next item of merch. Chasing, changing tack a little bit, a lot of people have mentors along the way, um, either in their business or just through design or even other aspects of their, their personal life. Is there one or two that stand out for you and what have they taught you? Look, I can't think of anyone sort of in particular who I have always followed as a particular mentor of mine. But I think everywhere I've worked in my career, I've always had people who I've admired. And I think the thing that I admire most in people is people who just critique everything that comes along, but in a positive way and see critical paths through projects. And I think that's something I've always admired. And right from my early days in the Students' Union through to my first few jobs that I had in London, I would always sort of pick out someone and always try and ask their advice as much as possible. So, and then that's just kind of rolled on and changed. And even now in my business, Boxer and Co, I've got clients who I hugely admire and love to bounce things off and work in, work in partnership with them. So I, I don't sort of have one person or famous name that I can give you, but I just always have looked at. No, often they're not. They're often the people that are everyday. Some people even say they're parents, depending on what sort of background they've had. So, yeah, it, it just depends on, um, I guess, who's influenced you and inspired you. Yeah, lots of various people and various businesses, yeah. That's a good summary, though. Bit of fun. Favourite book, song or film and why? Okay, well... <laughs> Most people who know me know about my love of Mary Poppins. At my 40th birthday, I got up and sung A Spoonful of Sugar in front of all of my friends to much hilarity. Um, but that is honestly something that I live by. So that song starts, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap the jobs again. And that is absolutely a mantra for me. I that work really, really hard in lots of different areas but there's just no point in working hard if there's no enjoyment. You know, you've got to you've got to love something to be great at it. So find the fun. Absolutely. Well, that that's excellent. So, what would be your final takeaway message for us on the politics of merchandise? I guess the thing is, don't just slap a logo on something. Whenever you're looking for merchandise, they always say, "Here's where you put the brand," or "Here's where you put the logo." It's got to be cleverer than that. It's got to be thought through harder than that, and don't even necessarily just go to merchandise companies, but look around for other partners that you can work with to create something that's really 
useful and helpful to people as well as being a reminder of that podcast or that TV show or whatever it is that, you know, you're associated with. Yeah, that's a really great, great bit of advice from someone who knows merch like nobody else. Well, Gwen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the politics of everything. And if you do want to connect further with Gwen Blake and her business, there will be some details on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.